In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2 Youth are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info. Hey, welcome to the Monday Kickstart Podcast presented by our friends at 60 Helmets. 60 Helmets, the brand that revolutionized motocross helmet safety and changed the way we all think about protecting our brains. Um, so, uh, this Monday, uh, we are in the office, Don Maeda and Dominic Gaten, and uh, remotely is Michael Antonovich, who I actually got to hang out with last week at Moto Fight Club, so... Man, Anton, it was good to be back at the races, wasn't it? Dude, it was so nice. Like, even just the little things about being at the hotel and going through the process and building cameras and cleaning them, like, stuff like that's fun. It's stuff that, I'll be honest, I kind of took for granted over the years uh, from just doing it week after week after week. To get to do it again and finally, like, really appreciate it. It was good to be back. It was good to see you. I hadn't seen you since Tampa, so I was glad to see you. Bummed I get, didn't get to see Dahmer, but I'll see him down the line. Hmm. He's, he's, uh, I'm as beautiful as ever, Anton. Yeah. He, he's, there's more of him to love now after quarantine. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I have more hair than I've had in like the last eight years. So we're all good. Hmm. Everybody's growing. Well, somewhere. your barber's not close cause you do the self-inflicted haircuts, right? Uh, I'm, I haven't done those. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. I thought about it. Nice. Well, um, Hey, let's get it to it, man. So. Moto Fight Club. I think the whole event came together in like two weeks, two and a half weeks, because uh, RV first kind of told me about the idea uh, when we were riding our mountain bikes, and he's like, "What do you think? You think it'd be cool?" And you know, heck yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to get some racing going. And uh, I think that they uh, they did a hell of a job. Rob Bidos, Danny Hartwig, the Fight TV guys, RV, and uh, all the riders involved. Uh, it came off, came off really well. I know in person, I I really enjoyed it. It didn't Anton. Didn't it feel like we were watching the Transworld Slam? I mean, it, it felt like uh, that all oh, over. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Just even like the lines the guys would take, the head-to-head battles, like the urgency and that stuff. It was cool. You mm-hmm. know, uh, a lot of importance on little things that that those guys still know how to do. Yeah, they might not race every week, but that's still in them. Yeah. So. um I haven't watched the broadcast yet. I have every intention of, you know, going back because it's still live or it's still archived on fight.tv. You can still go pay $19.99. I think they may have reduced the price now, but you can go back and it's at your uh, disposal forever once you buy it. So, uh, I don't know. I think uh, for me, I think one of the coolest parts was the Friday or the Monday night campfires, right? So, so Dahmer, you were home. You you went and you you purchased the race. I did. Did you watch the fireside chat too? I did. I did. I watched all of it. It was cool. It was uh, uh, it was interesting. It was like as it as it started and watching it was they were all there and you're like, wow, this is really gonna happen. You mm-hmm. know, like I I was still skeptical because you know it seems like these days, you know, until it happens, you you know, can't really keep your hopes up. Hey, you're waiting for it to get shut down. Totally, right? I was. You know, yeah. that, that's my question. Did you guys know when you got there on Monday? Did you know where you were going? Yeah, um, 
Rob Bidos actually sent me the address, I think, Sunday sometime. So is that late? Yeah, I mean, I didn't ask. I mean, I just knew which hot. He told me which airport to go to. And uh, I didn't want to, like, ask and, like, have have that knowledge, you know, when right, people right. ask me where it's at. Because, I mean, as it was, I think I had 15, 20 guys just blowing me up on Instagram. And there's this one guy in particular, like, sending me lists of names of tracks. Which one is it? <laughs> is it one of these? Just tell me. Is it one of them? I'm like, dickbag, I'm not going to tell you. You're not supposed to show up. And he's all, well, if I come, it would be just me. I wouldn't bring a bunch of people. I'm all, dude, come on. Now, was there, when, the, when like, even Monday, was that people finally, I mean, you know, did word start spreading? They're like, oh, hey, they're at, they're at so-and-so's track, mm-hmm. at this track. So, you know, before the fireside chat started, I did some quick interviews with guys. And, uh, a lot, th- you know, four of the guys were in RV's van. So that was good. But then I interviewed Sipes. And uh, Youngstown MX has some track, like, uh, chains across. Uh, the perimeter and they're wrapped in this bright yellow like plastic tubing and uh so i actually asked rob Bidos later i was like hey um i did some interviews and he goes just if you show the track don't show the yellow things and right. he goes and don't show the buildings in the background because it's a giveaway and so then i was looking at my footage and sure enough ryan sipes standing right in front of the yellow things right oh <laughs> like, well, shit so i turned that clip black and white and then another part, I was interviewing Brock Glover and Rob Fox from Dunlop. And you can see the buildings behind Rob Fox. So I zoomed in on his face. So it's just all his face took up the whole screen. Yeah, because even on the, then on Tuesday when the, when the race started, you could see that, that building back there. Yeah. And then as they rode around the track, it was funny because you could see you people know, the, standing yeah, on, on the other side of these fences coming out from wherever. Like the, it wasn't a lot of people, but yeah. a few people obviously must have been in the area and found out, you know? Yeah. What, what would you guess, Anton? There's a hundred people along the fences. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that hillside thing where that rock wall was, there was yeah. probably like about a dozen or so people there. Mm-hmm. And then off in the weeds, I mean, this shows how dedicated to this people were once they found out. They stood off in the weeds and they couldn't see 85% of the track on the other side of it next to the starting line. But it was cool that everybody kept their distance and didn't creep in too close. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would say probably like 50 to 100, 55, 70 people, something like that. It wasn't crazy. But yeah. then all told once like, you know, the racers and their friends and their wives and that stuff showed up. Yeah, probably like 100 people total were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't, look, it didn't look like that on TV at all. I mean, no, at all. No, not at all. You know. Like I said, I asked, point. go ahead, Anton. Go ahead, Dummer. No, Dummer, go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say, I remember asking you, like, Anton, it looked like it was at some shop and they had like a field and they built a tr- track. And, is that, and, is, and you were like, no, no, that's a real track that exists there Dude, all the time. The track looked sick. It looked fun. It like, looked so fun. Young, Youngstown MX, it, it looks super fun. Like all the jumps were pretty safe. And I mean, that big booter, those two booters in the middle were so rad. They're these giant faces, but they're safe, you know? Yeah. And uh, just the dirt looked great, and it was, it was a cool facility, man. I wish I could have ridden. Like, to what Don's point was earlier, not knowing where the track was. So on Monday morning, I got up and got coffee and was coming back, and, and Ryan Sipes was standing at the same hotel as us, and he saw me kind of pulling back into the parking lot, so we rolled down the window and we were talking to each other. And I was like, hey, dude, you know what time are you going to go over there? He's like, I mean, this is 10 o'clock in the morning. He's like, I still don't know where the track is, and this is Monday morning. So Bidos kept it pretty well under wraps until it was the last minute so nobody got blown out. 
And then Dahmer, like when you came around the corner and you drove in, it looks like a place where like the mafia dumps bodies. There's a big, <laughs> uh, there's a big steel mill right across the river from it. And then when you walk around the track, it's like an industrial in an industrial park. So there's all kinds of stuff like that where, you know, you had to know where to go to get back there. But then I guess everybody in that part of Ohio, like in Eastern Ohio, knows that track and they ride at it all the time. And they say it's really good all the time. Like it looks like a perfect vet intermediate track like nothing too crazy but it looks like anybody of our skill level would go have fun there for sure Mm -hmm. i think the only thing that looked hairy to me were those you know those rollers going to that table where where weimer did the huge flying w or loop out Mm -hmm. thing but uh you know obviously we could just double 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 that we didn't have to triple skim or whatever you know hey i'll tell you what (laughs) them going three into that was so burly because it was at an angle too yeah, and, like, you could tell that those guys still got it. Like, those guys, it's they still have it. You know, once yeah. one guy did it, I think Sipes was the first one, and then everybody started doing it. It was just like at the test track or at the real racetrack. One line, everybody just banked off of it, one big rut, and you just had to send it. And if you didn't want to do it, you had to go the slower way around. Mm-hmm. So that was cool to see that there still is a little bit there that those guys are willing to uncork when needed. Yeah, you know, and back to the Monday night with the the campfire thing, like that was cool. Like having those guys just talking crap and mm-hmm. bench racing about the olden days or what's going to happen. Even as a fan, just watching, I mean, we knew there was going to, we knew already the head to head, but we really didn't know what. Because I, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, how is Michael Leslie going to race against Brock Glover? It's it's over. Like, mm-hmm. that, there's no, that's not, that's nothing. That, that ain't going to work. You know? Yeah. So so you know to to. to Already from leaving Monday night, I left there with so much anticipation for like, wow, what is mm-hmm. going to happen tomorrow? You know? you know what was cool about that is <clears throat> we were all standing around, right? There's, you know, the 10 riders on hay bales mm-hmm. and then the film crew, but like, then they're all, everybody else clear out. You can't be in the shot. So I'm like, oh, and it was really cold. So I'm like, oh, I'm not standing out here and freezing my butt off. So Anton went and sat in my truck with the heater on. But we watched it on my phone on the dashboard, so we watched it just like a customer would, right? I think it started off a little bit awkward, you know, like the first couple of questions where Rob Bidos was emceeing the thing. Yeah. But as soon as the riders started interacting with each other, the thing took on a whole yeah. new dimension that was just awesome, right? Yeah, for sure. And the guys talking crap to each other and like just going with it, running with it. It was so awesome. Like, like it's funny, we've talked about this before, like we got to get some guys together and be a fly on the wall, but... That's really what it was. Mm-hmm. It gave viewers a chance to feel like a fly on the wall while these elite guys, these legends of our sport, got together and shot the shit, right? And, uh, yeah, I was just pumped watching it on TV, and I thought that they covered it real well. And when when Pastrana just flies through the screen and tackles Sipes, Sipes. for the belt, that was awesome. And It was th- cool to see those, like a Pastrana and, and like the those guys literally, you could see them like, oh, my God, I'm – there's Damon Bradshaw. There's yeah. Jeff Stan. I mean, they they were they were as excited too to see they're, these guys. They're very complimentary towards each other. You exactly. could see the respect that they all mm-hmm. have for each other, and um, I thought it was cool. And I forgot who was talking. I think it was Wyndham. He was just like, "Dude, there's only been one American to ever win the overall ISD, and he's yeah. sitting here with us." You know, right? And then it was cool when one of the guys was like, "Okay, hands up. Who's here been to the motocross of nations?" And most of them had their hands up. Right? Pretty badass. Like yeah. a, a solid. Solid group of guys there. But uh, I don't know. Um, the the campfire thing was great. 
How was the broadcast from your point of view? I, from what I heard, there were some audio issues. So in yeah, the first on, Tuesday, on Tuesday when it all started, I got ready. It was all, and, it, and even then it was like it said it started like at two o'clock our time, and it came on, and then they kept showing fight and then it, it kind of stalled. It stopped. So I actually, I actually exited out of it and I went back into it again, and then, mm-hmm. it, and then wait, and then all of a sudden, boom, there was Rob just oh, and I was like, oh, and, but then the, there was no audio. Then the audio stopped, and I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw some people comment on Insta- on social media like, uh, and I was like, come on. I mean, this it's is a first time right, event. Like, come on. Yeah, this- first time event. The crew is the crew that films Loretta Lynn, right. right? They've never done a live show broadcast before. I mean, dude, 19 bucks. It was badass. You spend totally. more, you spend more post-mating a Chipotle burrito to yourself. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, there was, and it was in the beginning, then it kind of started going and it was funny. They didn't really. They didn't really. They explained a little bit of how it was going to happen, you know. And then, I mean, then before you know it, I mean, the first one was was Pastrana and Brock Glover lined up with yeah. Pastrana on the four ninety, and I'm like, oh my god, what is <laughs> What's this? Going on? You know. So so that took on a whole. I didn't know what. I'm like, what are they going to do? Is Stanton going to ride that thing? Or you yeah. know, we we didn't. See, know. I think there was some uh, there was some compensating going on because you know Ivan Tedesco, he had a he had a seizure in his hotel room. Tuesday morning, so he was a scratch from the event. So there's nine guys. So I think something in there. I think Wyndham had to race a couple extra times or something, but more than he probably wanted to. Yeah, but uh, but it was funny because in the the campfire thing, when Pastrana and Glover start like talking about like switching bikes and everything, I'm like, well, what is this yeah. like nonsense? And then it happened. But dude, a Glover is badass for being like almost sixty, right? And B, Pastrana is a showman to the nth degree because he made it look like a battle with Glover. You know? Right. And uh, props to him for doing that and making it exciting, right? Dude, Pastrana, <laughs> I had a couple other people call me. They're like, okay, they got to stop giving him Red Bulls because he was just like so animated and excited. Oh, yeah, I didn't see the interviews. Was he oh, just like wide? He'd come off the track and then he'd jump on with the with the TV people. He would. He was talking so loud and he was so excited. It was literally the audio was cracking out, like it was breaking up so bad because he was just <laughs> screaming. You know, he was beside himself. But it, like I said, once it kind of started going, then it, they 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 kind of got it all figured out, and then and then it was just bang bang. Then toward the end, once once the first couple races happened, and then it seemed like they were just knocking him out. I mean, I was almost going, whoa, whoa, slow down! It, there's no there was no even build up. It was just boom. People were in the gate. Yeah, you know? yeah. What do you think of the? Uh of the uh, Glover Pastrana matchup, Anton. I thought it was awesome because solely on the fact that they put Bra- or they put Travis on the 490. I think if it was any different, it would have you know not been as good because then it put Travis at a little bit of a disadvantage. But Don, you and I were sitting there watching in the truck at one point in the day. Glover got on Travis's 500 and looked better on the 500 <laughs> than he did the YZ 450 that he was riding. Yeah, he did. It was badass. <laughs> like that was badass like and travis's bike you know you put did that video on the rmzilla mm-hmm. it's got like over a hundred thousand video views now on youtube that thing is crazy like travis has terrible knees 500s are hard to start anyway so it's got that crazy electric starter on it glover within about three laps had the track dialed on that thing yeah that, he looked glover looked cool. better on the 500 than he did on the 450 that was cool too they showed it on the broadcast when they they had pulled off and then Glover actually got off and had to start the bike for Pastrana. Oh, the 490? Yeah, because he couldn't start. And then Glover gets on, and I'm like, I'm like, really? He's going to have Glover started for him? That was pretty cool. 
Then how about Travis backflipping that 490? Dude, I saw him and I'm like, oh no, he is he is totally gonna do something with that thing. Yeah, he's crazy. I think uh, when he the first attempt when he came up short, I, I, I the front tire had to have touched the pipe. Oh you my know, god, like those forks, forks flexed so bad. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, like I said, and even when it started, I had I was texting Anton because, like I said, they started going and the same thing. Poor Ivan, like I said, I they didn't they didn't say anything about Ivan yeah. at all, and I was texting Anton. And they're like, "Hey, wh- where? Why is there no photos of Ivan? Where's Ivan?" And, he, and then he told me what had happened. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh my god!" I think they didn't want to address it because they hadn't talked to Ivan about it yet, and you know, yeah. I mean, who knows? You you don't want to put somebody's condition business out there. Out there right? yeah. I mean, like if he had if he had crashed and broke his ankle that's one thing but like a seizure something different yeah neurological so um <clears throat> so yeah the racing was awesome I, I was really i was really impressed with damon bradshaw and stanton and dude <laughs> so like you know when you're watching like like the movie that comes to mind is like uh terminator 2 i think when the kid is ripping around the xr right with 75 the, with the sound that doesn't but it's match. the two-stroke sound yeah. but <laughs> Dude, watching Stanton on that CR250 was like watching a Hollywood movie because you're hearing the thing going, and it's going like two miles an hour. <laughs> so it's like it was like Hollywood audio in the wrong bike, but like that thing was so slow. It was such a turd, and you could really see because you'd watch him come out of corners, and, and dude, it was such a disadvantage. Like I, I almost, it, it was great seeing Stanton ride a CR250, and it sounded awesome and everything, but. It would have been interesting to see what he had for Bradshaw if he had been on a YZ450 or a CR450 right. that he had in his and, trailer. Yeah, and I think that that would have changed the whole element to it too because I think, okay, we see Damon ride enough. Like I watched Damon ride yesterday and, mm-hmm. and Saturday, and it was awesome. Like everybody knows Damon rides a lot, but we don't see six-time ride that much. No. So that was cool to see how much he had in him, and he only scared the hell out of me one time when he almost didn't that bring whip? that whip back around. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, good. that was like, I think that was probably the coolest pairing of all of them is because uh, you don't see those two dudes a lot ever. You know what I mean? And that, that shows that they might be in their fifties, but they still got it. Yeah. Anton, I don't think we had seen six time rides since that Iron Man uh, thing. No, no, no. The Iron Man uh, national the, race, the, the, the legends, legends race they did. Yeah. And he looked yeah. fast there too. Yeah. You know, but and great. I like so cool too, that all those guys still kind of had the same gear that they wore back in the day like seeing bradshaw you know in his kit on a yamaha all that stuff seeing stanton with an awry even those 60 podcasts but like everybody stayed with the amateur the number too running his am number yeah 63 yeah that was cool uh <laughs> i think this the tightest kit of the weekend was windham in practice Dude, his yeah. blue jeans. Well, it's funny you, in that video you did with them in the in RV's van. Yeah, and then he was saying something about the gear, and he's like, "Oh, Cadesco has it." And then he was like, "Yeah, I think they're 30. He's like, "Dude, they better not be thirty four. Like, I ain't gonna fit in those, you know." <laughs> and then when I saw in the practice in the jeans, I'm like, "Holy crap, his gear probably didn't fit. Yeah. He's gonna have to really wear that." You know? I think I, honestly, I think he just didn't really want to wear it. <laughs> he's like, "Oh yeah, I should wear that stuff because Shift was cool enough to send it, but." Uh, but it was great because as it went on, he had the he had the pants on and then the flannel. Yeah. But as it went on in more races, then 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 by the end he was full jersey. Yeah, it was really cool. That I think that was one of the cooler races of the day was him and Ryan Sipes. Yeah. their battle because you could see, and I think we all knew that from the going into it. Like 
the, the I don't care how old, the racer in them is going to come out. Yeah. And it did with Wyndham and Sipes because he laid it in and he kind of blocked past him. And then mm-hmm. he could see him like, okay, Wyndham is, is going for it now. you know. And then he threw that just ridiculous whip off that table. Oh, in after front of Pastrana. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> that was amazing. It's funny to see like Wyndham like, hasn't ridden and in blue jeans and a Carhartt jacket. And he still <laughs> looks exactly. Oh, yeah. You can tell it's Kevin Wyndham. Mm-hmm. It was pretty rad. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Wyndham was badass. I mean, obviously, Sipes was amazing. Um, I think he was he was on a 300 two-stroke, mm-hmm. I believe. But, uh, you know, then we got Michael Essie, who took it all, right? He came to Fight Club, like, to win. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, like he took it so serious, like, more serious than any guy. Like, I don't have any doubt in my mind he was doing two-lap sprints at home <laughs> and start practicing and everything, but... It was pretty funny because during the uh, the fireside chat, they they talked about not running hole shot devices. Yeah, after that chat was over, Mikey and Tony were fired up. They were fired up. Like what? No, 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 no. Oh no! You just threw a monkey wrench into their whole plans. <laughs> I think uh, Tony was telling me Michael's never done a start on a full size bike without a hole shot device. We 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 can't do it. We can't do it. And you know. It's pretty funny because Villapoto is super casual. He's out, oh, whatever. You need to do it or whatever. But I think uh, I think that was pretty funny. You you heard it too, right? Hands on, dude. I was. It was funny because you could see that there was like a very serious look in Tony's eye of like, uh, we didn't drive all this way to get our asses handed to us because Mike can't pull a start. Like, they ain't gonna go this way. And yeah, and then even on Tuesday, there was still some back and forth because. I, who knew what they were going to do? And I think they were going to leave it up to the riders, but yeah, Tony was really determined. Like, Hey man, every race that Mike does is a, is like the most important race in the world to them. Mm-hmm. Mike's still the only guy out there trying to race professionally at any level. You know, if Mike had the opportunity to race the nationals this year, you best believe he would. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they take this thing super, super serious. Yeah. So, uh, what, what, what did you guys make of, uh, Mikey winning and then busting out that number one jersey. <laughs> I, I I mean, I, I know he caught a lot of slack for it. I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, I saw a bunch of comments of people because I think Anton said that it was from that Tampa race, right, Anton? Yeah. Yeah, and that was – it was from that one that it's the Thursday night before the Daytona Supercross and Mike had won it in 2019. So, you know, they showed up that race a couple months ago uh, with red number one plates and all that, you know, and – the people have like made a big hubbub about like who who does that to this, and it's like, well, dude, a lot of people do. It's a fun thing. Tyler Bauer showed up to the Trans World Slam on a factory Cowie with red number one plates. Right. You know what I mean? Like we, it, it's part of the allure of like, hey, I'm the baddest dude here, and come beat me. <laughs> I probably don't think that Mike ever like put two and two together of like, oh, this is going to cause controversy or whatever, and it did kind of rattle a couple dudes. Like, can you believe he did this? But I think going forward. If anybody else had done it, like if RV had done it and RV won, and he shows up to the next Moto Fight Club with a red number one plate on his bike, you know, everybody yeah, would be you're like, right. It's just because yeah. it's Mikey. It's just because it's Mike, dude. It's just because it's. Well, Mike. it's funny because when I saw him with the jersey on on the, on the kind of like podium thing behind the starting gate with the one, I was like, dude, did Liat really get him a number one? Like, did they already anticipate? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're probably gonna win this. Let's just get you ready to go. You know. Yeah. But when Anton said no, he had already had that jersey. He just threw it on for fun, and that, that, that's what everyone's got. It was, this was a fun thing event for raise money it was for a good cause and 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 
I mean, hey, they say there's going to be another fight club down the road of some sort. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would hope they're going to bring back Alessi, and I, I, I hope he runs number one plates with the with thing. Yeah. I'm the Moto Fight Club champ. Let's yeah. do this. You know? It's funny because, uh, you know, I was running around doing How Was Your Weekend with the guys, and Mikey was being interviewed, you know, by the broadcast team behind me while I was uh, while I was doing Wyndham. I go, all right, all right, Wyndham. You know, we normally do How Was Your Weekend, but How Was Your Tuesday? He goes, oh, my Tuesday. What the hell? Is that kid really pulling out a number one jersey? <laughs> and I looked behind me and I started laughing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what the heck, man? It was all in fun. And I loved how Mikey, uh, he, on his drive home to Florida, he stopped at every state line and took a picture of himself with the belt yes. by the sign saying, you know, entering this state. He's all, one state closer to getting the belt on my mantle. <laughs> I love it. Hey, love you know it. what was cool about those belts? Uh, so after the race was over, it was me, Wyndham, RV, Weimer, and Lucas Myrtle all just standing there talking. And Wyndham came over and he sees RV's belt and he's like, hey, Ryan, who do I need to call to get one of those? And RV's like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I want one. Like, you tell me who I need to call to have made and I'll pay whatever it takes. I want a belt that says I raced this thing for the first time. And that was badass because Wyndham has... That's what it was. I heard him talking on the phone later. Yeah. Like, dude, Wyndham has so much stuff. He has trophy after trophy and pieces of memorabilia. And the fact that that belt is something that he would pay out of pocket to have, like, shows how into it these guys are. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it Um, it was a cool event. The big thing, too, like, the camera showed it in the fireside chat. But, Don, like, you and I were very privy to it by being there up close. It's so cool to see these guys get together. Like they are like a band of brothers that have done this forever. And this is going to be an exciting thing to see how everybody plays into this. You know, RV gets money from Yamaha and answer and all of his sponsors to go be an ambassador for it. Dude, if we put together like a legends tour where these guys are every few weeks or every few months or once a year or twice a year, whatever, these guys can really cash in on the sponsorship opportunities that they have and make a second career out of being a motorcycle racer. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, maybe Wyndham can get some money from Carhartt. <laughs> Something. Levi's. Yeah, the Lee Dungarees. So, you know, we've already done it. <laughs> I asked my guard, are those Lee Dungarees? And he goes, Don, do you really think that my Lee Dungarees from back then fit? <laughs> it was a loose cut back then. It was a loose yeah. fit. I love that he, during practice, wore the knee pads on the outside of the pants, though. Oh, yeah. 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 That was awesome. Knee cups. They do things a little differently <laughs> down there in Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break. Uh, Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back with more uh, Fight Club. Out here, on the edge, failure is no option. Here, you don't compromise. Off-road, on-road, on the track, off the grid. Sunstar sprockets and brake discs come installed in more motorcycles and all-terrain vehicles than any other in the world. Period. The engineers who design your bike trust and spec Sunstar for the same reason you should. Because here, on the edge, failure is no option. Sunstar, number one in sprockets and brake discs. Hey, it's Bo Han, team manager of the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. Works Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in motocross for over 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device to their original axle blocks. Works Connection parts are designed and produced in California, and we are proud to use them on our factory race bikes in Supercross and Motocross. Check them out at worksconnection.com. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. 
and whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports Team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Hey, welcome back to the Kickstart Podcast, brought to you by our friends at 60 Helmets. Um, so, Tuan, uh, would Window have been fourth then? Yeah, I think so. It's funny because you know I asked I asked Denny for results and he just wrote back. Sorry, I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> well, even I was trying to do the same thing when I wrote the race report that night. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like the only yeah, one that matters is that last three. Yeah. And then like just talk about how cool it was to watch those guys like dice it up like that. But yeah, I think Wyndham would have been fourth because mm-hmm. uh, Weimer got bested by sight pretty early. Wyndham was going for it, you know, so he would have been up there. But um, I think that that was pretty much it. The Bradshaw Alessi pairing was pretty good. I was like, "Oh, these are two guys that are really going to take it seriously because Damon ain't going to lose anybody voluntarily." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I you did know, love. I did cool. love how on the broadcast, the one I don't know who Wyndham raced, but it was toward the end, and he clearly was just laying it down. And I mean, like that was it. He was smoked, mm-hmm. and they were just like, "No, Wyndham, Kevin, you got to get back. You're on the line again." And he and they were like, "You could see." I mean, obviously the way the broadcast was, they were a little disorganized they didn't know what to do and they were like waiting they're like okay they can hear him talking and they're like i think we're gonna have to take a commercial <laughs> like like Wyndham needs more time yeah like, and he was like you're gonna have to take a commercial i i gotta get some water I- i'm not ready to go again so they literally did cut to a commercial yeah and said, did some commercials you he know? said he had arm pump <laughs> oh i bet i bet yeah but then you could see that last one he was he was done he, yeah. he had nothing left yeah you know mm-hmm. how about the uh pastrana rv matchup where they came together, right? And uh, and then Travis jumped back on and then fell in Fell that turn. again, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty classic. I don't know, man. Dude, that ramp that they put out there, when he backflipped that thing on the 500, you know, in practice, he was so high in the air. Like, <laughs> like I think from behind and watching him take off the ramp and do the backflip is less shocking than being on the other side. And just seeing him appear out of nowhere, you know, twenty feet higher than anyone else jumping the jump is, and let alone upside down. That was very cool. There uh, was a, there was that one where he panic repped it, yeah, uh, to bring it around, and I was just like, oh my god, this is how the day's gonna go. And then he like cleaned it, you know. And bro, people get so pumped just to see Travis backflip. Like we've seen it so many times, and every time is like the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very you know, cool. it was very cool. Um, trying to think like what other big stuff from fight club was there hey sipes was impressive ryan was the first dude to go cut laps on tuesday morning and like from the get-go i was like oh yeah he he knows how to get around this track pretty well i was like i was tripping out because he did like most of the jumps on the first lap Mm -hmm. and by the second lap he did all of them and by i think the third or fourth lap he tripled into those whoops right Mm -hmm. and i was like standing there and alessi and i think bydos were there and i'm like 
man, what did did Sipes come ride yesterday or something? Mm. Like how how's he so dialed? How's in. he doing everything so quick? <laughs> Mikey puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, Donnie, we're professionals. <laughs> 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 That's how it is. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, yeah, all right. Sipes did bring some of his flat track to it though. He passed about two or three people on that sweeper before they came back onto the front toward mm. the finish. Because he got Wyndham there. Wyndham, as soon as then, he just he would just flat track around that inside and got him. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, uh, so yeah, so the broadcast is still available, fight.tv on the internet or on the app. Uh, I would suggest buying it and watching it. And now, can you can you can I think you can still watch the Monday night. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's still there too. That's that's totally that's worth gold it. right there yeah. too. But uh, I don't know. So Fight Club didn't end for me on Wednesday morning when I was supposed to fly. Yeah. Home. So when did you when did you get approached or or get suckered into this whole let's drive a let's do a freaking uh, road trip Griswold drive across the country? Um. Tuesday well, night. Well, well. So Tony's the one who told me that Ivan had had a seizure because I was like, hey, what practice is going? Where's RV and Ivan? And, he, and Tony told me. And then so I called Ryan, and he answered. He was at the hospital outside, and he confirmed it and said he and Jake were just kind of hanging out until they hear everything's okay. And then I knew Lucas Myrtle, Ryan's agent, was flying in, so I told Ryan, yeah, Lucas is going to have to drive home. And we both kind of laughed about it. But then uh, <clears throat> later on, I think after practice, before the race started, I walked over there, and uh, I said, any, any news on Ivan? And they said, oh, he's... He's awake and he's okay. And like they asked him, he said it was 2015 or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. And then he's, oh yeah, Lucas is gonna stay and he's gonna fly home with him. And then Ivan look or RV looks at me, he goes, "What are you doing the rest of the week?" <laughs> and I was all, "What do you mean?" And right through the uh, wheels are turning in my head. I'm like, "What can I say?" <laughs> and he goes, "You you want to drive home with me?" And I was like, "Hell no!" <laughs> I walked away. And I like talking to Anton. I'm all, dude. I think RV wants me to drive home with him. <laughs> and we're both we both surmised that like, well, I can't even say no. Like, he's so good to us at Swap Mode Live. You know, like, helps us with content, does everything. And then on top of that, I've been like, cycling with the guy like so many times recently. I'm like, all right, I'll go. So yeah, but I mean, uh, dude, the furthest I've ever driven before, outside of California, was like. Right after my mom passed away, we took my dad to go mountain bike the Slick Rock Trail in Utah. Moab, Utah, right? That was the furthest I've ever driven in my life, you know? It was like, what is that? Like 10 hours? 12 hours, yeah, I think. Yeah. So even at that, we split it in two. We drove to Vegas and stayed overnight in Vegas and then drove the rest away. Bro, I wanted to shoot myself back then, you know? like. <laughs> but then again, I was in a Toyota SR5 with three people in it, you know? And not in his luxury Not in van. this, like, rolling house, you know, the Sprinter van by a... I think with the moto moto box, box yeah. yeah, but uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought, and it was a lot of fun. We were cracking up the whole time, and you know, he's jacking me, taking pictures of me sleeping and stuff. That and was gold. <laughs> he got me. That was good. But uh, I don't know. I mean, this is my first cross country trip. I think, uh, dude, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska were all pretty miserable. Did they, did they look at you windy. funny in, like, Nebraska? They don't see me if no, you're kind dude, in Nebraska. Everywhere we stopped for gas, it looked like I, you know, because the night before, there was nothing on TV, so Anton and I had cops on TV. 
Every every filmed on location. Every town, I'm like, oh, cops was filmed here, and Ryan would laugh, and I go, those aren't my pants. <laughs> but, but uh, but dude, Colorado was beautiful, and uh, dude, Utah was awesome because I drove all of Utah. That was that was a really scenic drive, but uh, yeah, it was fun. You guys brought back a little Yingling for us. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. Brought back a case of Yingling. That was beautiful. It's funny because I bought a case with the intention of giving it to Ryan and ask him to bring it home for me. And then, you know, I ended up driving with him. But then I was like, oh, I got to get another case then. But we had already passed too far uh, too far west. You guys should have loaded the whole back of his truck with that I stuff. I know, right? <laughs> Pretty good. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good time. I think I'll have some, uh, I'll have some interesting uh, video for the vlog tomorrow. But, uh, all right, so, hey, Anton. Supercross is on. Speaking of Utah. Yeah, Supercross is on. Thank God. So it's uh, it's Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. Yeah, 31st of May until June 21st, uh, every couple days. Uh, we had a big conference call. So, yeah, everybody, you know, kind of got the news broken on Wednesday that it was going to happen. Uh, press release came Thursday. And then Friday on my way up to Iowa for the next thing that we'll probably talk about had a phone call with Dave Prater, Sean Brennan, and a bunch of other media people and kind of just got the gist of what's going to go on. Um, this is going to be an intense deal. This is not going to be life as we know it, but props to Feld, props to the Utah Sports Commission for pulling this thing together because uh, there was a lot of money that was going to be lost by a lot of people. Uh, I had done some research once I had heard that Utah was back into consideration. They had said uh, when they announced that Salt Lake City was going to be the final round under, under the normal schedule, that that one race weekend with the pit party, the Supercross race, all the people that were going to come to it, and then Supercross Futures was going to be the biggest sporting event in Salt Lake City since the 2002 Winter Olympics. So it's a pretty big deal. Uh, for them to pull it off, though, the governor got involved, uh, University of Utah is involved, everything like that. So we were told some things that are going to have to happen. Guys are going to have to commit to doing a COVID-19 test before you're allowed to race. Uh, anybody that comes onto the property will have to be tested, test clear, uh, have your temperature taken, and then you have to wear a mask at all times. There will be a hard 900-person limit on the property, so only so many people will be allowed to go. Teams right now are having to pick who gets to go and who doesn't. Uh, they're conversating with riders like, who's the essential people you'll need there is it a wife is it a is it a friend is it someone that we need to a lot for our little piece of the of the slice there of like how many people are going to be able to come um and then from there there is a lot of that back and forth of like hey what's eli tomac going to do like could he fly home well the thing that dave prater had outlined was this if you leave the state and they find out about it you have to commit to being tested a second time and you have to test clear a second time. Well, mm -hmm. it takes about 48 hours to get those test results back. So even if you did leave Sunday night, as soon as the race was over and your next race is on Wednesday, really you have to be back on Monday to give them the test and then have your results come back. So you could be cleared to race on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. so there really is not going to be anybody leaving the state. Uh, all the writers, uh, the media that's going to be allowed to go, we're waiting for an email to say if we're in or not, but it sounds like we should be good. Um, everybody's got to sign this like gentleman's agreement that you're not going to leave the state of Utah. They really can't police it, but if they find out you leave, you have to be tested again and go through all that. That test doesn't look like fun. I don't want that swab touching my brain, 
but I'm going to do it if I have to. And I don't want to do it multiple times. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to fly back to St. Louis just to go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of good stuff is going to happen. I think it'll be interesting. There's a lot of little things that have changed too. the points or the purse payout. And then the bonus fund have taken a hit, but you know, other major league sports have all had their purses reduced or their salaries reduced. So we're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but good dude, good on Feld for making this thing come on because there are a lot of people's jobs that depend on these races happening or not uh, us included, you know, so good that these are going to happen. You know, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of details to this thing. Like we could talk for hours and hours about the stuff that we know. Yeah. You know what I want to know is, uh, how are they going to, um, well, basically, you know, there's so many support people at the races that are a little bit, I mean, let's be honest in, in, in the years past, you know, guys from back in the day would say hey, that's a frivolous person at the race. You know, like a gear guy or goggle a guy, goggle guy, yeah. right? Like, are are, are they going to restrict those people, or is you know, is is Eli going to be prepping his own Oakleys? So I think the way that it's going to happen, those teams are going to be allotted. You know, certain teams are going to have more essential staff than others. Yeah. Um, and I think a company like Sixty, like Scott, like Fly, whoever, they're going to be able to get written into a certain team's clause. Now, what happens with that is, though, if you're under a team, like Factory Kawasaki is not allowed to go intermingle with Factory Honda. You're supposed to be kept on your own. Like, your group is supposed to keep within your group has to not have too many people going back and forth. Mm -hmm. We were told there will be no, like, big group podium celebrations like we've been accustomed to in the past. Like, you're not going to see three dozen people down there high-fiving and hugging after the race is over. Mm -hmm. Um you're not going to see track walk, I guess, be the same way that it was. Even the TV presentations, stuff like that, are going to be different on property. I think once you get everybody away from pr- the property, things can change. Mm-hmm. But then a guy like like if you are Scott or you're John Knowles from there or Fly Racing or whoever, you could probably still be there and then meet up with the guys in the morning and give them the stuff that they need to get. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's nothing that says maybe you can't go or you can't run around, but you could drop off everything before those guys go to the track that morning. Mm-hmm. So there'll be some workarounds that guys are going to have to get creative on. Um, other stuff that's going to be weird though, is just, I mean, there is going to be no fans. There is going to be a lot less people there. And I'm interested to see how we even would get to do the job. I don't think you and I are going to be able to bounce from truck to truck to truck like we used to. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're going to be kept pretty much on our own and then our interactions are going to be limited on property. But once we get off property, everything changes again. Uh, I was thinking about be... that. We're probably going to have to <laughs> call guys on the phone for how was your weekend and film them from afar. <laughs> yeah. And add the audio in or something. I don't know. Well, if everybody's cleared and you're all in the pits, <clears throat> I mean, I think you're all under the same umbrella. It should be fine. I don't Well, I don't... that's the thing though. You can't, you can't intermingle. So like we can't be the one that would be hopping from place to place to place because if we'll be you know, the honey, we would we'll be, be the, the honeybees spreading the pollen right <laughs> exactly that's that's the thing that they want to avoid now however I've been thinking about this and so have you you know a, what's a six foot microphone cable that we do a handheld mic like we just stand super far away from everybody we could probably yeah, well, get some th- I was things. thinking about that it would have to be a mic on a mic stand so the rider doesn't have to touch it yeah touch it yeah and so stuff like that I think once we get the all clear of like hey you guys are gonna come then we can really get into overdrive to figure out what we're going to do. The opportunity though, to go do this stuff is going to be huge for everybody. Cause like Don, you and I've been talking like the content that could come out of this thing is going to be unreal. Yeah. Everybody's going to be stuck in one place for three weeks. They're mm-hmm. all going to be going on 
road bike rides together or going to Park City and going mountain bike riding. Like, it is going to be just a little hive of activity at all times. Yeah. I mean, um, shit, look, look what we generated at a one, two-day uh, Moto Fight Club, lot. right? <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Um, the one big thing that I want to let everybody know, too, because I keep seeing this as like, what are they going to do about the track? You know, Rice Eccles isn't the biggest stadium floor. And Prater said, you know, two-day turnaround is pretty hard to rebuild a whole track with all the infrastructure that goes with it. So it could at the very least be there is a general there's a general layout, yeah, and then of the lanes that are there, and then every day they go back and then they plow a lane and then they fix it. So they would never race the same track, exact same track twice, Mm -hmm. but it could have the same general flow here and there. So that's a big thing too of how we'll see that go off. Anton, will they have the will the races be broadcast on NBC Sport like live, or are they? Oh yeah, are they on a delay? No, that's a big selling point to this because we are going to be the only sport happening on a regular basis. You know, this is a big thing. They're going to be on normal NBC, like your local NBC station at certain times, too. Oh, the not main just NBC Sports. Yeah, yeah. And obviously it'll still come on your, on your NBC Gold, of course. Yeah. Uh, I'm still waiting to see, like, what they do with Race Day Live. Like, do they film practice? Do they show yeah. that? They should. It would so. be great. People are going to tune into it. Um, and then the other big thing for Feld is too, they are the first big sport to get this pulled off. Yeah. NASCAR started this weekend, but you know, we're in the same venues that baseball or that baseball, football, all these guys are trying to go to the precedent that motocross and supercross sets will be what NFL, NBA, NHL all tries to replicate later this year when their seasons finally take off. Mm. So we're, we are like the canary in the coal mine to see what happens. Yeah, is there another, like I know, like you said, the NASCAR, I know that NASCAR race happened yesterday. Is there another one coming up soon, or is that? Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte's going to be this weekend, uh, but, like, the front gate to Charlotte Motor Speedway is within 15-minute drive for everybody, even of all their houses on Lake Norman. It's not very far, so nobody will have to get hotels. That was the big selling point to doing Darlington and Charlotte. They're within a three-hour drive of everybody's houses that they wouldn't need to get hotels and put all this risk of staying unnecessarily at hotels because that's something that don and i even saw last week we were the pretty much the only people at our hotel in ohio and then megan and i were some of the only people at our hotel in iowa this weekend so they're really trying to like figure all that stuff out and make it low risk for supercross there's going to be a list of approved hotels that they want people to stay at but then also if you got an airbnb or you had a motorhome as long as you give feld the address you're good to go there hmm yeah, I think it's, so, yeah. it's going to be ra- – I mean, I mean, your Sundays and Wednesdays are just going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I e- think uh, – go ahead, Dumber. No, so even like the like I said, that NASCAR – I'm not a NASCAR fan, as you know. I don't watch NASCAR. But, I mean, I spoke to my 86-year-old grandmother on the way to the office this morning. She's like, oh, did you watch the race yesterday? And I'm like, what race? And she's like, the, the NASCAR race. And she don't even watch but she watched it because she's like – yeah, there's nothing else on. We watched it. And I'm like, you guys watched the NASCAR race? She's like, yeah, yeah. You know? And she knew all that she was all. And then I was like, so that, that just tells me. I mean, obviously, when I tell them, hey, Supercross is going to, they're going to watch it. And I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how many more people that usually don't watch that are probably going to be watching Supercross, you know, because there's, there's nothing else on. Mm-hmm. And that's another big thing, too. Like, this is a made-for-TV package. And like we've been hopeful for, this could be the thing that puts Supercross back in the forefront of, like, public perception um but at the it comes at a risk though if something does go wrong we could really become kind of 
looked down upon. I don't think so. I think this is all, I'm really hopeful that this all goes well. Because even if there is one positive test, there is multiple fallback plans of how they'll do it. You know, say a championship contender does test positive. Here's the protocol for how they're going to do that. You'll have to have your temperature taken every time you come to the stadium. Mm -hmm. Say you have a high temperature. Within 72 hours, you'll have to be tested again for COVID-19, so you'd have to do the swab. If you have a positive result, it's a 14-day quarantine in Utah. You're not allowed to leave. You have to go to wherever you're staying and just buckle down for that full time. Mm -hmm. If your test comes back clear or your temperature drops, you're clear to race. You're good to race then. One positive test doesn't mean this whole thing crumbles. Mm -hmm. So, like, if a championship contender does test positive, you're not, they're not going to be allowed to race, but it doesn't put the whole program on hold. If a team member or a media guy or a medic or a flagger, if one of those guys tests positive, this whole thing doesn't come crumbling down. This thing will still go on. They just have to work around it. So there's the, they're really doing their due diligence to make sure this happens without a hitch. And even if something does kind of come up, they're going to be able to have plan A, plan B, plan C. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I, I know I'm excited to, uh, to see uh, racing resume and to find out uh, who gets to go. And it uh, should be cool. Mm-hmm. So, Anton, in closing, uh, what, you headed to Iowa for the Justin Brayton shootout this weekend? Yep. How was, was that? Awesome. I saw that you uh, won 20 bucks in some pit bike race. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Dark Side, so, like, friend of ours. I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever met him, Don, but he's – one of the like Midwest guys that's been around and he's one of like Mathis's dudes. Um, he flew up too because he's kind of into that scene and he came up and there was a pit bike race on Friday night at Riverside raceway in Winterset, Iowa. And this pit bike track was rad. It had like a little over under, it was around a tree. There were some doubles, stuff like that. There were hundreds of people just racing pit bikes mm-hmm. and uh dark side's like, Hey Anton, you want to do a grudge match? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I didn't plan on racing. I didn't take a helmet. I didn't take anything like that. Within about 10 minutes, Bob Lowry at fly had me a helmet. JB gave me his factory Honda 110 <laughs> that I really didn't want to hurt. I was very sketched out on, but we did five races and dark side beat me one time. So those mini bike skills uh, back in the day really came into favor and then, dude, there were hundreds of people there. Iowa's been really fortunate that they haven't had a big surge in COVID-19 cases. Uh, Tony and Justin Brayton, Tony the track owner, JB, got this whole event approved by the Iowa like state health officials, the police department. Everybody signed off on this and said, hey, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were, I want to say it was 1,400 total race entries across two days, Jeez. 500 racers per day. That's a huge thing. Um, you know, we at the Swap Moto Race Series, you know, if we have like 400 people or less than 400 show up to Glen Helen or Paris, we're like, oh, it was a low turnout. Mm-hmm. Dude, back here, it, it unfortunately, like local motocross kind of died a few years ago. Something happened. People just weren't into it. Nobody wanted to sit around and do four laps and then wait six hours to do your other four laps on a dry, dusty track at sunset when you were riding into the, into the you know, blind. Mm-hmm. Um Motocross, though, is, is doing really well in this COVID-19 thing, like we've said about bike sales being up, stuff like that. Uh, JB has done this forever, and so there's a nice pro purse that's attached to it. There's like 15 grand up for grabs mm-hmm. across a wide variety of classes. So a lot of guys from all over the country came up for that. Marshall Welton drove out from North Carolina. Uh, ben LeMay drove up on his KTM um, 
from Texas, made some money. Marshall made a couple grand. I want to say he made like three or four grand in the course of two days by sweeping all the classes and, Mm -hmm. you know, whole shot bonuses, stuff like that. So there was, it was a good time. It was cool to see so many people up there and big shout out to all the fans that were pumped for us to come up and cover it because that was cool. Like that really shows that grassroots motocross has a lot left to it. You ain't have to go to, you know, the big amateur nationals to have a good time. You can have fun with your friends at any level. Yeah. Anton, I saw the beast from the East was there too again. Bro, I got to interview the beast from the East in his uh, <laughs> rental truck yesterday. Like him and Bob Lowry had rented a, like a GMC Yukon or whatever. And we're driving cross country for moto fight club in that. And then me and Damon kicked it for like 20 minutes in his, in the front seat of the truck, just talking and interviewing. And it was awesome. Like Damon's so cool and people freak out when they see Damon. Like of course. they would, they would jump in on the vet class races or like the pro class races and like kind of dice it up with guys a little bit and then like just kind of peel off and it was no big deal. But it's like seeing Bigfoot when they see Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, dude. It is awesome. And Damon, he's in gear the whole time. Like he does more laps probably all day than anybody does. Just whatever, just jumps on, jumps back off, like whatever, whenever he has a minute, jumps out there, comes back in. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he was wasn't cool. like in a normal class. He was just jumping and having fun and riding when he wanted to. Yeah, it probably if Damon would have raced, it probably would have like really thrown a wrench in like the plus twenty five classes and all that stuff where there was money to be made because he would have left with some uh, people's hurt feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but hey, dude, it's so cool for JB too. We did that video that's on the website right now and on our YouTube. To be a guy, like, he grew up racing at that racetrack. It's about an hour and 10 or hour and 15 minutes from the house, you know, from Fort Dodge where he grew up. JB took a factory Honda 450 out there and spun laps. And I think that's, like, every kid's dream is one day I'll go back to the track I grew up on riding a factory bike and all these people will be there. And all of his sponsors are into it. All the fans are into it. People see Brayton. He's, you know, a movie started them up there. Mm-hmm. And it's cool for him to give back, you know. They gave Storm like Honda gave away a, a Honda 110 at the end of the weekend that looks just like JB's bike. Mm-hmm. Like it's a cool vibe. It's it's this big coming together and with all of the bad news that we've had in these last few months, just dude, people are so eager to get out yeah. racing. There dude, were the, the, people the, as far as you could see. The local tracks in California now that motocross is open, out of control. Dude, it, they're all packed. All of them are packed. All it's like them. more people are riding now than we're riding before COVID. Mhm. It's uh, it's awesome to see, and it's great to be involved in. But um, hey, let's wrap this week's uh, Kickstart podcast presented by Sixty Helmets Up. Anton, it was good to see you last week. Hope to see you in a couple weeks in Salt Lake. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, of course, check out sixtyhelmets.com for uh, the helmet that revolutionized the way we all think about helmet safety. In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2U are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info.